Welcome to the Experts Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. Many of us have heard of EMDR. It's a technique to deal with certain types of disorders that result from traumas. Blanche Freuden is a psychologist in Palm Beach County, and she has graciously agreed to discuss this with us. Good morning, and thank you very much for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. Let's begin with basics here. What does EMDR stand for? What do the initials stand for? It stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. It started out as EMDR in 1987 to 89, and then the reprocessing R got attached to it after some of the research started coming out. What is it used for? I I know a lot of people have heard about it, but they really don't know what role it plays in modern psychotherapy. In some ways, it's a new form of psychotherapy because it's briefer or should be more brief, and it targets primarily traumatic memories, events, remembrances of traumatic childhood events, recent events like car accidents, etc., It targets what would be called major trauma, although many people are using it with what we call the small T's, traumas that we remember maybe from childhood. How does it work? Well, it works in many, many ways. I mean, there's a specific technique that is taught, and it's not just the eye movement that is the technique, so to speak, but it's a psychotherapy approach that is really comprised of other principles of other therapies. I mean, it includes behavioral, uh, bioinformational, cognitive, all family systems when you're dealing with childhood events, and psychodynamic and somatic. And it's interesting that it deals with some of the somatic traumas as well. What does it entail? It entails being trained in it, first of all, and having experience with working with trauma in general. So the therapist needs to have some history of being able to work with traumatic events in any fashion. Basically, the person would be finding out about it, first of all. I mean, a lot of people say, ooh, what's this EMDR? I can get fixed in one or two sessions. But it turns out that one or two sessions is just information gathering and finding out what's going on. And then when you get into the process of eye movement, you have to work with finding out what the memories are that are targeted and also what some of the triggers are that target the memories to come up and make someone feel uncomfortable, afraid, uh, fearful, avoidant. And then the desensitization, which would then go into the eye movement. And by the way, as Dr. Shapiro, who did the original work in this area, said, the eye movement part of it is not the only necessary part, but you can do bilateral tapping, bilateral sounds. There's some musical sounds that can be bilateral. Basically, it's while you're doing the desensitization with the eye movement, it could be tapping and it could be even with the eyes closed for some people, but it's bilateral stimulation, which in some ways causes a person to be distracted. And that's one of the theories why it works. It somehow or another goes into a distraction technique that then lets memories come forward much more quickly than in typical talk therapy. And then the discomfort or the, shall we say, emotional imbalance, it, it's resolved, it's, it's relieved as the person, again, goes back to the same question. It sounds very powerful. 
obviously works. How does it work? From what we can see, and there has been some MRI and fMRI work with where it does go in the brain, it does seem to hit what we call part of the brain that's the primitive part of the brain that holds trauma and traumatic memories, the amygdala. When you start working with that, you can have high sensitivity to bringing up that emotion. And if you can stay in that emotion, the emotion eventually comes down to a more manageable state. There's a word that we use in psychology that's called habituation, meaning that the anxiety comes down naturally. And the end result would be that that person who's having the treatment would then say, gee, I don't feel so emotional about that like I did when I started this. Eventually, it could mean, which is what we do see with EMDR, that it really has a total effect that I'm just not emotional about it. Well, it happened to me, but um, gosh, uh, you know, I'm just not emotional about it. And so you just see that the emotional, and that's the reprocessing part, that's that big R, the reprocessing of traumatic events. Let me say from working with rape and crime survivors that when you first start talking about it, people say, oh, don't, don't think about it, go about your business. If one does that, they're not completely processing. Of course, some people choose to avoid, but the general feeling is that don't talk about it too much. So what we're doing with EMDR is we're in their memory, they're thinking about it, they're bringing it up, and it's all in their memory. They almost, they don't have to say anything, but it's there, and it stays there, and it's worked on so that with the bilateral stimulation and decreases the power. And along the way, when I mentioned earlier that there's other therapies that are associated with this, there's some cognitions that are tracked some negative cognitions, some positive cognitions. In other words, what would you want to think about that event? And then body scans to see sometimes people hold things in their chest, in their bodies. You have to scan that. So it's a total experience. It's not just the eye movement, so to speak, but it is dealing directly with these upsetting memories. It would almost sound as if it should be a first-line therapy when people have traumatic events. Is, is it becoming more accepted as an initial therapeutic technique? Well, actually, it probably should be. There's always some areas of therapeutic community that don't know very much about it or heard negative things about it. When it first came out, there were negative thoughts about it, so some of the VAs and various facilities around wouldn't use it. But now with all the research that's been done, and actually the research has been in more areas of EMDR than in some of the other trauma treatments, it's now being accepted as a, a first-line treatment for trauma. Some countries have actually made it a first-line treatment. Israel actually does it in ambulances with terrorist victims. The trauma hasn't consolidated as yet, and there's a sense that, hey, let's wait a little bit longer and see how it consolidates. But then again, doing some early work may seem to prevent the post-traumatic stress disorder that could be showing itself within a month or six weeks after an event, and it might be preventing it. So that there is more work being done in research in that area, primarily out of Europe. Not much is being done in the United States because there was some resistance to some of the communities about it, the therapeutic communities, but it's being used 
gosh, every time I go to a meeting, I hear that they put on 10 EMDR therapists in this rehab. A couple of well-known rehab centers are now using it as their first line of trauma treatment. So it, it is very accepted. One of the things that comes to mind and the question that pops into mind is that are we, when we do EMDR, are we risking unleashing a inner psychological condition that cannot be controlled. It's better if it's repressed. It's better if denied. We always talk about the dangers of regressive therapies. At times we open up things that we can't control. Is that an issue? Well, it could be an issue if you haven't done good assessment or screening. Most of us do pretty good screening. We're trained in that in our, in, well, in general, in the psychological field. But particularly in EMDR, we look for people that might be dissociative, and we actually give a scale to people to double-check that there is any suspicion that they may dissociate, that we might not do it, or we might wait and do it in a more gentle fashion or some modification. Then I would say that if someone is psychotic, you would not use it. But actually, some of the literature coming out of the Journal of EMDR Research is showing that people all over the world are using it, even with psychotic individuals. A recent article I read was that even psychotic people have traumatic memories that need to be worked on. So knowing all that and knowing that you are adept at handling high emotional states, I think for most people it would be a treatment that could be beneficial to them. What about the more unstable personality disorders, the borderlines? Well, the borderlines, I've done quite a bit of work with EMDR with borderlines. I've had some people that are working with borderlines that don't know EMDR send them to me to work with their traumatic past. There's a question whether borderlines in general have had a very traumatic background, and they need to have that work done as well. So knowing that, I mean, certainly if you were you would not work with someone that's actively suicidal, but if they're stable and they have parameters that they know that if indeed they feel more suicidal or parasuicidal is the word in borderlines, that we can stop treatment and start it at another time when they feel more stable because borderlines can be very stable at sometimes and not so stable sometimes. So I think it's clinical judgment clinical skill and to see, you know, what one can do. Personality disorders may be, I'm not talking about the borderline, but other personality disorders may not even let themselves come for treatment because if they live alone, they could be quite happy with their personality. It's just how it impinges on their interpersonal relationships. And if it's not too rigid and they're willing to work with it, we're working more and more, and of course more research needs to come out in that area, with core beliefs, core fixations, or whatever you want to say as far as what is keeping someone in a rigid personality disorder. Is there any difference between this and what used to be known as desensitization therapies, when people are afraid of animals? And they are elevators, and they're very slowly brought to whatever is frightening them, and they are exposed to it. Yes, of course, because one of the eight steps, so to, or the eight phases of EMDR, as I mentioned to you, is the desensitization part, which is where the eye movement begins and bring up an upsetting memory. Now, there's a three-prong approach, meaning dealing with the past, the present, and the future 
in dealing with someone that has more than a very single trauma, like a car accident, let's say. And so you have to get into some of the earlier training or earlier, how should I say it, ways that we've learned to work with fear. Let's say someone was bitten by a dog as a, a young child and then has problems with people going to their homes and various other things to visit unless they know the dog is in the bathroom or, you know, whatever, that they have fear and they have a lot of avoidance. You could work with that with EMDR and do the desensitization with that. Now, in the past, people, as me as a behaviorist, as well as an EMDR person, would do a lot of exposure treatment as well, meaning taking someone out and petting a little dog and maybe on a leash, etc. In other words, a systematic desensitization or hierarchy type of thing. But with some of the work that's being done with EMDR, most of this can be done imaginally in the office. What about a 20, 25-year-old young lady who was sexually abused when she was younger and carries in her soul a sense of fear? She just doesn't know how to trust being around men. Is this an EMDR candidate? Oh, yes, because one of the major things that we do with EMDR is to work with childhood events and how the rules have been set up by a child who has been abused to stay away from men and, or whatever and carry that forth into adulthood so that those cognitions and those rules are desensitized. And for many people that have had years of childhood sexual abuse or physical abuse can work, well, what we try to do is work with the most upsetting event and, and then from there, other things peel off, almost like an onion, that you're peeling the skin off and you find more and more rules and more ways of governing themselves in adulthood so that you're kind of working with the files that have been created by the traumas that have happened in youth and childhood. How long does therapy take and how long does it last? Do people have to go back for refresher treatments? Well, they could, but that usually means that something wasn't cleared out initially in the more concentrated. When you do this therapy, you try to concentrate on working with those traumas primarily in about an hour, an hour and a half session. Sometimes the sessions are a little longer. So what one would do is if something did come back, it might mean that's another trigger that wasn't addressed or just wasn't worked through enough. But for the most part, most people that our single trauma people can get through this after initial evaluation, initial assessment in three or four sessions, three to six sessions maybe. And then some of the people that have childhood sexual trauma, depending on how fast it can be worked through, 12 to 15 sessions. Some of the borderline people I've worked with because of other issues that sometimes come up and kind of get a little diluted in session is a year or so work. So it really depends. But the thing is, once you start working with the trauma and you know that you've gotten it down to what we say zero on an emotional scale, it usually doesn't come back unless there's some other trigger that wasn't addressed, or as I said, or, or even noted, may not be even noted at the time. How yeah. widespread is it? That's a good question because they're training people, the EMDR Institute, and Andrea, which is the international division of it, 
trained over 100,000 mental health practitioners it's all over the world. It's very strong in Europe and Asia, where most of the research is coming out at this point. What happens is there's a humanitarian association associated with the EMDR Institute and International Association called HAP, H-A-P, Humanitarian Association. And they go all over the world with people that are trained here and are facilitators and have quite a bit of training. And they train the people in the countries like Indonesia, Turkey after earthquakes, all sorts of places. And some of the people can speak the language. For the most part, they train with translators. And then they do some supervision. People are being trained all over the place. The Israelis do this very early on after terror attacks, and perhaps they also the military as well. I don't have the statistics as I asked this question, but I would wonder if the Israelis, by and large, their military suffers less from PTSD than do our soldiers. That's a good question, but they do have a lot of research going on and a lot of availability for treatment for PTSD, so it must exist. It's just a question of the statistics. I just don't know, but they do present at meetings, international trauma meetings, and it's probably available for someone that might want to know that. The question came to my mind as we were talking, and so though we can't bring it to this podcast because I don't have the data, nor do you, which is understandable, I'm going to look it up. Very interesting material. Blanche Freuden is a psychologist in Palm Beach County. She works with EMDR, and she's taken this on a very brief, very intense, but I think very comprehensive view of what this is all about and how it is being used effectively. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you.